0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach and a very special surprise for this week's episode. First of all, though, David, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm good, Nathan. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing fantastic, and I'm excited about this week's episode.
1: I am, too. Our guest today, Carlene Anglade-Cole, is a top copywriter with a track record and a level of creativity anyone else would be jealous of. And her latest book is the number one Amazon bestseller, My Life as a 50-plus White Male. That's because, as a biracial woman, Carlene has successfully found a way to get into the mindset of her prospect, which, as you can imagine, is quite different than she is. Today, Carlene is a highly in-demand freelancer, but I asked Carlene if she would trace back the lessons, the early lessons of her career as an in-house copywriter for Phillips Publishing, and especially her mentorship with Clayton Makepeace. She generously agreed, and that's what we'll talk about today of of course, first, I'd like to talk about this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Carleen, welcome. Long time coming, and I'm so glad you're here.
2: Hi, David. Thank you very much. Nathan, hi. How are
1: you doing? Good. Good. Glad to Good. Have you Wonderful. Good. So, Carlene, I'm going to guess most people outside direct marketing have no idea what a big publisher like Phillips even is or or was, since Phillips now has been reformed with a different name. But I also imagine a lot of people in a direct marketing who've never worked on staff for one of those big publishers think the organizations are different than they really are. When people ask you about working on staff for a company like Philips, what's the biggest misconception they have and what's the reality for you?
2: Um, Well, I think the biggest misconception is maybe it's just a huge conglomerate company of, you know, full of all kinds of, you know, yuppie yuppies and all this kind of stuff going on. And Philips was nothing like that at all. Um, First of all, I kind of stumbled into the whole uh, direct industry, direct response industry. I had no idea what it was. My background I had a job before selling radio advertisement, and so I, you know, then I got married and I had two kids, and so all of a sudden I'm just looking for a job to, to supplement my income to go along with my husband, my firefighter husband's um a crazy schedule. And I found out about this company, and it, it said direct mail company, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I stumbled into this this very entrepreneurial company. There sm- was a small company, but not tiny. Um, and they were a financial newsletter publisher. That was what Tom Phillips was. He had newsletters. Then he was in niche marketing, um, of different aspects of finance, of finance. And so I go in there and it's a, it's a, you know, nice company, but what I loved about it was just a very entrepreneurial company. And that made all the difference because it didn't matter who you were. It mattered what ideas you had. So they really encouraged, if you had something to say, say it and let's see how we can grow. And I love that. And I always talk about how Tom Phillips knew my name before I knew his name. Um, (laughs) I I had a job in customer service, making $8 an hour, working part-time. And I remember my first week there, Tom Phillips would always walk around and say, hi, folks. Hi, folks. You know, just, you know, whatever. And he comes into the customer service department and says, hi, folks. And he goes, oh, hi, Carlene. Welcome. And, I, and I'm like, hi, you know, and I look over to some someone next to me. I'm like, who is that? And they go, oh, that's the president <laughs> of the company. I'm like, oh, that's him? What's his name? Was Tom Phillips. I'm like, oh. So, I, you know, he knew my name before I knew his name. And that's kind of the atmosphere of the company. So it's very much a family-oriented vibe that um, allowed us to grow. And the company grew. I can't, I can't remember. I tried to figure out. I know at one point it was over $200 million, but I can't remember the full amount of the growth of the company. but. That's how it, it, it was very entrepreneurial that you, you got to, you know, if you had an idea, you could use your idea. And I got to grow from being in the customer service department, you know, to getting to the point where I was um, a marketing director before I left the company. Wow. So in this case, very small family oriented company with big ideas and we were rewarded with our big ideas. Uh, when the company hit sales, um, that was like I said, $200 million in sales. Tom took everyone to Disney world, you know, not just you, but your spouse and your children. Um, you know, and we owned Disney world for that weekend. We stayed in the hotel, we had a parade. So he was all about sharing, you know, that, the wealth with us. So that was my experience with the direct response company. That was just awesome.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. You know, um, way, way back in the day, like in the eighties, it's 40 years ago, right? Um, I, I worked for a publishing company, um, on the content side as, as a editor and reporter McGraw Hill. And it was what you described. Most people think of these companies, a lot of muckety mucks, the people who went to the Ivy league schools sort of let you know, they were a a couple notches above you if you didn't, which I didn't. Um, and there were, I was on the 41st floor. This was at, uh, uh, 49th street and sixth Avenue in New York. I mean, and it's exactly the way you describe most people, but yeah. So with the work I've done with Agora Financial, I found it's a lot more like the way you're describing, um, uh, Phillips, um, you know, it's the ideas you have, it's very personal. And also I, I guess the other half of it, which you probably take for granted is you have more accountability, you know, you, you have more opportunity, but you have more responsibility. You, you can't bullshit your way through a lot of stuff. You have to own what you say and what you do. Anyway, good. But let's let's get to some juicy stuff. You had the good fortune to have Clayton make peace as a mentor. Um, you're the only person I've talked to who had him as a mentor personally. Could you walk us through a, a few high points of what it was like to get a copy critique from Clayton? Well,
2: let me tell you. Not only are you talking to me as the first person who has been mentored by Clayton, but you are talking to his favorite. All right, okay. So, just so you know, know, he's all. So, what did you do
1: to become his favorite?
2: I, you know what? I don't know. It's a blessing. Is all I have to say because Clayton Makepeace was probably one of the most phenomenal human beings I have ever met. The most caring, generous person. a willing to give his time and energy to help you. When when you when Clay Make Peace talked to you, you were his world. You know, he focused on who you were, he made you feel very special and important. He listened, you know, he was engaged in, in, with the conversation with you. And so that was an amazing power that it didn't matter who you were. He was not a snob. I mean, the guy was a multimillionaire, and he walked around with his, you know, um. Is I would call it the what was the team the Beach Beach Boys kind of a look you know got his little Hawaiian shirt on and his jeans. Only thing you would notice every so often is if he you, if he you, you know moved his wrist you saw a hundred thousand dollar Rolex. On his <laughs> 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 but besides that, nothing, nothing about him when you meet him is like oh 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 you know he's very very much an open person. So I happened to meet Clayton uh, when I was working at Phillips. We uh, were a financial publisher and then decided uh, the company decided to go the route of um, starting a health business, you know, a health group. And I wanted to get into that health group no matter what. And I was able to finagle my way into the health group. And that's how I got to learn about the whole side of, of direct response copywriting, you know, with Clayton, because he was hired to write uh, a promotion that pretty much launched a whole alternative health industry. Um, and we got to be part of that. And I was the marketing manager there, and I was working on the list side. But yet, you know, I was these huge royalty checks were going out to this guy named Clayton Makepeace all, you know, every month. In fact, the company was paying him a royalty not to work for anybody else because he was that valuable to them. And so here Clayton comes. Um, one day he's coming to visit the company, and Wendy uh, Marsh, who became Wendy Makepeace. And I work together at Phillips on the list side, and so we're we're working together. And Clayton is coming to to visit, and I'm like, Clayton, make these. the big Clayton make piece is coming. So when when I when I'm when I get nervous, I just kind of say whatever comes out of my mouth. I just it's a problem, I know, but it ha- is still a problem. But uh, so here he comes. So everyone's like so excited because Clayton had written this amazing promotion that literally was bringing in thousands and thousands of subscribers every week. And the newsletter got to be like 200,000 subscribers um, at one point. It had to be 500,000 at one point, but it, when it was getting big, it was that number breaking all kinds of records. So the company wanted him to come and just kind of, you know, little, Hey, Clayton's going to be here, whatever. So they were having a party for him. Uh, and uh, finally, Wendy and I got through we able to finish our work and we went in. And so I, I was like, you know, being introduced to him. And, and I said, and never forget it. And I was like, Clayton Makepeace, you're Clayton Makepeace. I said with a name like Clayton Makepeace, I was expecting, you know, some Native American with a feather in his hat. I mean, you know, like Indian guy with a not a blonde, blue eyed teddy bear. And I just said it just like that, and it got so quiet, like with like it seemed like hours, but it was only a few seconds. It got really quiet, and then Clayton just let out this big laugh. He's like, oh, I love it, and he just gave me a hug. You know, he's like, I <laughs> love this. I'm gonna like you. You know, because you know, so that was the beginning of our you know, yeah, plus yeah. But t-
1: tell tell us about the critiques. I understand oh, he could be a little severe.
2: He's horrible. He's horrible. He's horrible. But it was so great. I, I always tell people every time Clayton make made me cry, my bank account, you know, blew up. You know, just we just got better. So. Clayton would be someone, like I said, very nice person, lovable, wonderful person. will tell you he loves you a hundred times. But when it came to copy, oh man, he would zone in on that copy. And I remember the first, one of the first critiques he did for me when I was on my own, I had my first project as, on a male potency uh, package to write. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I wrote the package and then I said, hey, would you mind taking a look at this for me and see, give me some crits on it or whatever? He goes, sure, no problem. And then as Chris came back to me, we're like, you know, he he calls me up. He's like, you write like an effing girl, you know? And I'm like, but I am a girl. And he's like, yeah, but your market isn't. You're forgetting who you're talking to. He's like, so go adjust your crotch, you know, fix yourself, go burp, go fart, but get back into the mindset of who you're talking to. Because I don't want to hear this girly stuff in here. You need to, you know, just really grab hold of who you're talking to. And he just, I mean, slaughtered the package, you know, copy. He's going through. He's like, what is this? You know, what are you talking about? Bring me in here. I mean, he was just literally going through paragraph by paragraph and just, you know, just showing me where I was dropping the ball, right and left, right and left. And I mean, there was so much blood on that page on those pages. I'm <laughs> like you know, it's like the red eagle, like, oh, is there anything left for what I said? You know?
1: Did you cry?
2: Oh, I sure did. I'm like, Is that right like a girl? I'm never going to make it
1: in this <laughs> industry. He writes and, um, like a girl. I I've never heard that before.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I, you know, after I stopped crying and I had my, my basketball and this ice cream, then I went back and I just started going, okay, what is he telling me? What is he telling me here? Do mm-hmm. it. Just do what he's telling me. And I just kind started going, started of going through it and go, okay, all right. All right. You know, and just get my mind right. Focus on what I'm talking to. And man, when I finished that, my package was going up against a 50-plus-year-old white male copywriter. And I'm writing to a 50-plus-year-old white male market, and my package beat. And that was my first control, was for the male potency package. And wow. Clayton gave me the crits on that package, and it was, it was just gold. And so he would do that. I mean, I have in my book, I talk about different sections where he's he, – I, I gave a sample of where he literally said, you're blowing it here. You're blowing it here. You know, you need to go back over here. You lost me. You do this. And just the the amount of intensity he puts into his, his critiques to really try to help you understand, you know, who you're talking to and why you're not communicating properly.
1: So what what changed in your attitude and your approach as a result of of these critiques and as a result of his mentoring?
2: Always going back to who am I talking to. I started putting photos of my market, the picture of who, who was like, who exemplified my market? I will put it right on my computer screen and go talk to that person. Talk to that person, you know. And you know, it's not forget all the crap. Just talk, have a conversation. Clayton's one was very big, and I say this all the time because I believe in it. He taught me this: is write like you talk, you know, and then talk and then read your copy out loud.
1: Or in this case, write like a fifty-plus year old white guy talks.
2: It's yeah. Well yeah, well, but it's still talk, you know, like like, like people talk, I should say. You know, conversation, mm-hmm. not writing. We're not we're not having we're not putting together the next American novel here. We're having a communication in print. So what would you say? You would you would you would start writing and then you change your mind and shift over if you were talking to me, like right now I'm saying this, like oh I have an idea about that. I'll switch over and I'll do that. That's how we talk. He says, Do that when you write. So it forces me. I mean, use use the brakes. You know, start with the buts and the ands and because and, you know, and then say, oh, I got something really great to tell you. But I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. Before then, let me go back over here. We do that all the time. So he's like, incorporate that into your writing so that it feels very natural. And that's what he really taught me how to do. And I I did it two ways. He would tell me and then I would read what he, he wrote himself and I would see it, you know, and I would go, wow. I'm reading this, but I'm actually seeing it. You know, I'm not, I'm not reading the words anymore. I'm seeing the experience. And when I can do that, then I know, yes, I'm having a conversation with my reader.
1: So would you say that was the most important thing he taught you? Was there a- another lesson that you could share with us?
2: Um, that, that, as far as the writing aspect? Yeah. Yes, I think absolutely. Another very important lesson he taught me was to just, you know, have confidence in myself. You know, he said, you got to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody's going to believe, you. you know, so you got to walk the walk, whether you believe it or not. You know, you don't have a client, but well, go get a client. And that, that gave me the incentive where when I didn't have any clients, um, you know, and I was trying to get, a, you know, trying to get more um, more business and I got my first control finally. So I used that as an opportunity where I would try to contact the marketing directors and you know the group publishers and whatnot who are hiring. And they would say, well, send me your samples. And I thought, okay, hey, how about this? I said, I know you're really busy. So instead of me bombarding you with a bunch of samples, let me send you my most recent control.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which was your only control. It was
2: my only control. But I know you're busy. I know you're busy. You don't have time for all that. Let me just send you the hottest thing right now that I've got going on. My most recent control. And they always would say, oh, yeah, that's great. Now, some would say to me, okay, yeah, sure. And then send me some more I'm my, like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that later. But let me send this one to you right now, you know? And then when I had two controls, I just expanded my story to say, well, let me send you my two most recent controls, you know, And that way. So Clayton kind of said, you know what, talk your talk, you know, make it happen. What do you want? And, you know, make it happen. Nobody's going to do it for you. And he came from a similar background where, you know, he was poor, nobody gave him anything. He, you know, he worked for it. He, you know, he paid his dues and he did all that stuff and did a phenomenal job with it. So he can relate. Like, yeah, you know what? You don't have no. There's no silver spoons here. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't get those, so we got to make our own. You know, use a plastic spoon and get in that door anyway, whatever. But <laughs> you know that I think he helped empower me a lot to build the confidence to say just, just try it, just do it, do it, do it. You know, get the job and then figure out how to do it later. <laughs> that was his whole thing
1: do you have a problem with kindle books i do sometimes i really just want to hold a book in my hand so i can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes that's one reason i recently released the print version of my book breakthrough copywriting and listen to this on facebook i've gotten pictures posted from around the world pictures of people holding their printed copy of breakthrough copywriting in their hands Including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself, or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now back to the show. So he had a lasting influence on you, according to your book. You say very often when you uh, run up against a tough decision, you ask yourself, "What would Clayton do?" do. Could could you tell us about a time or two that happened and what your thought process was and what you ended up doing?
2: Um, I had a situation one time where I had a client that was just driving me crazy, and uh, and he was paying. I mean, he he was a big client for me at the time, but it was. I think he was just really. I felt like taking advantage of my time, you know, it just wasn't respecting me as a, as a a copywriter or as a person in essence, you know, because it was just very demanding. And it was, it was not a good relationship. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, what, well, what would I, if I call Clayton right now and I told him this, what would he tell me? I was trying to wean myself out of having to always call him up and ask him. And I said, you know, and I thought, what, what would he tell me? You know? And I thought, okay, now let me edit out the profanity. That (laughs) way.
1: because he would he was very very free in his use of he, profanity he
2: used the right words at the right time I can say, <laughs> you know and so I thought about it and I was like you know what Clayton would not put up with this Clayton would say why are you letting him dictate you it's your business you run it you know and I remember thinking that so I remember making that phone call and saying hey listen this is going to change right now and here's how it's going to change I'm going to give you the copy you're gonna look at it one time. You give me back your comments. I will, you know, make the changes from legal and everything else, and then I'm giving you the copy and it's final. There is no coming back and forth over and over again. And I'm going to send you an invoice and I expect payment when you receive the invoice. And I remember saying that conversation just like that, pretending I was Ruby really Clayton saying it. And I was really shocked, the when the client was like, he says, "Okay," and I'm going, "Oh my god!" It will take me forever to get paid because. I would, you know, I would turn the copy in. I was getting all these rounds of changes and changes and changes. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I kept saying, You're it's not gonna get better. I'm not holding on, I'm not holding the good stuff till the end. Trust me, this is the best you're gonna get from me, no matter how many rounds we go through. So that was a moment I remember going, Wow, you know what? All I did was stand up for myself and just say, It's not happening. And if you don't like it, it's okay. We can part companies, you know. And I think that was a, that's a lesson to remember if you, when you're a freelancer. Especially if you've left corporate America, you've left that crap behind. So don't bring it into your freelance life, you know? And it's like, if you don't like working with that person, then you know what? Get somebody else, you know, get out of that mess, get out of the abusive relationship, whatever it is, it's like, it's not healthy. And so I had to remember that that was a, you know, that's still a constant, like, why? Don't put up with this. Don't, don't put up with that. You know, if you put up with it, then they're going to give, keep giving it to you. So. That was quick. I, I I
1: think every freelancer goes through it and I, I love your approach. It's bold, but it worked, yeah. didn't it?
2: It did work. It was scary because I was saying them, I was just shaking, my leg just shaking when I was saying it. But I that's how I felt. I was just afraid going, Oh my goodness, if he says no, we're done. I'm like, I don't have another client, you yeah. know, but I wasn't liking my job. I wasn't liking dealing with this person and I you know, and I wasn't having fun. And that's my thing. I, if I don't have fun, I'm not doing it. It's simple as that. I mean, it could yeah. be hard work. It could be hard work and I could be pulling my hair out in the process, but if ultimately I'm not enjoying this, if it's not bringing a great benefit to my prospect, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it anymore. So that, that helped. So he just gave me that. And then he was always somebody literally, I remember one time where, I mean, I I wrote some stuff and it was, it didn't work. And I was just, just like down. I would call him, going. I stuck. I stuck. I can't believe it. I wrote this package. I spent a month on this package, and it bombed. And I stuck. And I stuck. And so he would just like give me. He like, "Okay." He would listen about three or four minutes. Like, okay. He goes, are you done? Are you done? He goes, All right, are you done? You know. And I'm like, one more thing. And I stuck again. You know. I go. No, I'm done. He goes. All right. Now, get your butt back over there and write another package. Go either go call him up and tell him you'll fix it. You know, and then offer to give them new cover tests or whatever you're going to do, but take action. Yes, enough of this whining stuff. Get going, you know? And I love that because I happen to see a now. great mentor. A, yeah. Like, take your five minute, your wine, wine, wine. He'll say, You want some cheese with that wine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, my little whining, crybaby moments, whatever, then it's like, Okay, fix it or forget about it. Just get going, you know? And I love that. Look, I, I, I remember just, um, just a few months ago back, you know, he passed away in March. And I remember having a horrible uh, uh, day in April. And, and normally I would be like, okay, I gotta call Clayton, you know, just call him up. I, said, I need to talk and he'll give me, he'll give me what, you know, the time I need. I know he's busy, but he always give me time. So I remember calling his wife, Wendy saying, I'm only calling you as a default because right now I will be calling Clayton. And he's, you know, and I can't, Oh gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so she said, oh, I understand. And so we talked for like an hour and just kind of, you know, just talked about it a little. But I miss those a lot because um, it was just very, very special, very special time and a very special person. So. Uh, uh,
1: under, I, understood. You, you know, I, I, um, we're, we're, we're close to running out of time. I'm wondering if I could just squeeze in one more question. What's your advice to women, especially women of color, who want to make waves writing promos for big publishers?
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're a woman, doesn't matter if you're a woman of color, all that. I mean, I use that to my advantage when when it's to my advantage. Mm -hmm. But really, it's about the copy. It's about, you know, understanding who your market is. So, you know, I've had so many people say to me, well, you know, it's hard as a woman to get in there. It's like, you know what? Stop thinking like that. You know, get your skills up where they need to be. The biggest problem I have with women who want to be copywriters is they're not willing to invest in themselves. You know, they'll put their kids through college. Like one one woman I was talking to, she's like, I spent seventy-two thousand dollars on my son's um college education. I'm like, Yeah, how'd that turn out? Because he well, he's working at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Okay. You're gonna take it about thirty thousand of that money. A bachelor's of it.
1: Chickology yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, she's telling me that, you know, so she had the money. Yeah. But she put it in her son, you know, to, to help him, whatever. I was like, so how did that turn out for you? He's like, yeah, well, he's working at Chick-fil-A after getting four years of school. I forgot what school he went to. So my point was she could take in some of that money and invest it into herself. So there's a program, like a mentorship or a high-end program that's now being offered. And women just don't sign up for those things. They say, well, that's too expensive. Yeah. And I'm going like, yeah, but what's the, what's the co- opportunity cost that you're losing by not getting in this game? This is where the players are. You want to pull You want to be with the big dogs. You got to get in there with the big dogs. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to take this basic course and try to figure it out myself. Yeah, that's fine. It can work. But the reality is you got to get your skills up. you got to be in, in the know with the right people who will give you the opportunity. You know, and if you're in a room with 10 people and they have 10 businesses and they're looking for copywriters, you got a good shot of getting one of those jobs by right? just being in the room. And saying right. I'm a
1: copywriter. And yeah. it might cost some money to get in the room. Yeah. And it's yeah. worth it. I,
2: I live, can I tell you this one story about this mentorship program? Let me, this, this kind of helps you. Uh, see what I'm saying? I did a, a mentorship program this year where I said to join, I only want five people. The cost to join is, it's going to cost you $4,000 a month for an eight installments of $4,000. So it's $32,000 for it. And I said, but okay. let me tell you you know what you're going to get. I'll work with you for a year. I'm going to have you write copy. You will have a, at least one, hopefully four or more samples to be able to use when you're done. And I'm going to introduce you to my client who you're writing for. So by the time you're done, you will have samples. You will have, you will know someone in the industry and I would have trained you for a year. $32,000 is not a lot of money. If you look at what, if you stack up what that is, I said, this is a PhD training and that's, you know, for you. So I got my five people, but I did you know, I did not get as many women as I really wanted to get. So the point was, we're eight months into this program right now. And the people who have stuck with me right now, and I told them, by the way, every time you write a package, we test it and it works. I will personally pay you $10,000. Okay. So you have a chance of not only recouping all your money, you know, But you will make some money while you're in this mentorship program. You know, pretty sweet deal. Like I said, people are, oh, I can't afford, I can't afford, I can't afford it. And I get it. Some people really couldn't afford it. But a lot of people could have afforded if they could see what the value was. So we're eight months into this program. And one of my guys who's doing phenomenal, he's at the point right now, he's about to have four packages tested. If all four packages test and win, and I'm helping him because I want him to win. I want him to, you know, I'm like, I want you to beat this, you know? So I'm not holding back. Like, oh, I don't want him to beat my package. I want you to beat it. So he's potentially going to have four packages mailing, getting forty thousand dollars of the, you know, from the thirty-two thousand he invested. So he's going to net eight thousand dollars profit. But he will have four packages that he can now go and take to other clients and say, Hey, I wrote this for this leading client, and Carlene Angley Cole was my mentor doing this. I mean, oh my goodness! And I said, and I told him. Anybody you've talked to, they don't believe you. You tell them to call me. I will verify it for you. So, okay. is $32,000, a lot of money at this point. He said to me, if I had known now what I'm getting eight months into this one year program, he said, I would have found a way to pay you a hundred thousand dollars for that. He said, because you just gave me a six figure career. So that was my point with women. It's like, don't sell yourself short invest in yourself if you really think you've got it then just go out there and and do it i mean you don't People aren't are doctors overnight. You know, they have to pay their dues and learn their skills to become a skilled surgeon or a skilled lawyer or whatever. It costs
1: a little more than $32,000 to go to med school, too.
2: A tad bit, but you can make the amount more more money than a doctor and with a lot less bills that go along with it. So.
1: Well, well, listen, we're out of time, but I want to he- hear about your book. It's called
2: My Life as a 50-plus-Year-Old White Male, How a Mixed-Race Woman Stumbled into Direct Response Copywriting and Succeeded. So it's part uh, autobiography, it's a marketing story, and it's an empowerment story. It is meant to like really say, get off your butt and get it done.
1: Carlene, thank you so much. This is wonderful. And is maybe you can come back in a week, which would be really about five <laughs> minutes. Great
2: right idea. I might be wearing the same clothes.
1: Who knows? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we don't mind. We will too. Just to All make right. it feel comfortable.
0: <laughs> uh, where's the, uh, Carlene, where's the best place if people want to check out your book?
2: Amazon. Amazon.com, Amazon. just yep, Google me on Amazon or go to my website, carleencold.com. My book is on there, you can click and you can find out all about the book in there. And by the way, on my book, you buy the book, whether it's Kindle for 10 bucks or paperback for 20 bucks or whatever audio's coming out. whatever you buy, when you buy that book, in my book, you have $950 worth of my copy vault. I mean, like real, my actual winning sales promotions that you can have access to absolutely free when you buy my book, so. I'm, I'm not making, I'm not doing this book for the money, obviously a $10 book, versus. I mean a $20 book versus a uh, $950 of stuff I could be selling on my website, but it's really to say, look, if you read the book and you like what I'm saying and you get me, then okay, we can keep talking.
0: Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, definitely check out Carlene's book. And until next time, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com to get more episodes of the Copywriters Podcast and we'll catch you later.
1: Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.